So many episodes. 761 Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Chantal Martin, founder of Thrive Lounge. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. July 27th, 2018. If you've been following me on Instagram this week, you know that I've been practicing my stand-up comedy on you. (laughs) Did you know that I was taking stand-up comedy lessons at the Manhattan School of Comedy, people? Yes, I have been following in the footsteps of some of my girlfriends who have big careers. And then, by the way, they also do stand-up in the evenings um, all around the city because they're that cool. And I just have always been super fascinated by stand-up and I love watching stand-up. And has anyone watched like Ali Wong recently? She's one of my favorites right now doing stand-up like eight months pregnant. I think that's just phenomenal. And she jokes about being a breadwinner, which obviously I think is a hoot. But all this to say, I have found a new creative outlet this summer, which is taking a stand-up comedy class. And I've been using Instagram (laughs) to crowdsource some of my awful jokes. And thank you for being honest with me, telling me that some things don't make sense. Or, hey, do more Persian mom. So Persian mom is an accent that I've been um, doing all my life, pretty much, because I'm a daughter of a Persian mom. (laughs) And it's really easy to... to take on the accent, I do this as part of my stand-up, which is that take any word and add E-H eh, to the beginning of the word. For example, a vanilla milkshake or a banana. Or if you really want to get fancy, like put it in the middle of a word and the beginning of a word, like a Nordestrom. So this usually gets a laugh from the audience. And my teacher has said that Ethnic accent jokes, like especially when you imitate your parents, always, always get the crowd laughing. So I'm just going to go with what's working, which is the Persian mom. And I've been answering your money questions using Persian mom accent on Instagram. I think you're liking it. It's been really good for my ego. Thank you for (laughs) indulging me on Instagram. But also, if you have a money question, that's a great place to reach me. I know that I give you a lot of ways to reach me whether it's the website, So Money Podcast, or Twitter, or Facebook. But Instagram is where I'm spending a lot of time at Farnoosh Chirabi. So follow me there, send me your questions, and I'll I'll do my best to get back to you, usually within a day or two. Which brings us to today. We have a lot of questions to get through. I usually pick about four or five that are really kind of more in-depth questions for the episodes. And joining me to co-host today... I know last week I said that I was in need of co-hosts and y'all wrote in. And in some cases, I bumped into you on the streets and you said, hey, do you need a co-host? Because I would love to do that. And Chantal is one of our listeners who's also an amazing entrepreneur and very privileged to have her join us on the show. She's the founder of Thrive Lounge and want to learn more about what that is and how she learned about So Money and why she is So Money. Chantal, welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be on the show. Yeah. And so let's give, let's tell listeners how we met. So I think, I think we've been kind of chatting on Instagram for a while or you've been following me and I've been like following, I've been noticing you and, and appreciative of your, of your support on Instagram. And then fast forward a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a panel event with, um, you know, uh, uh, some other amazing financial experts and Chantal was in the audience and she came up to me afterwards and introduced herself and the rest is his story. We are now co-hosting <laughs> a podcast together, but brag about yourself a little bit, Chantal. Tell us how awesome you are. Yeah. Okay. So to really brag about myself, I kind of have to take it back to like right after college. Um, I graduated with like a 3.89 or something that my parents would be happy with. And um, I actually went out into the real world and couldn't find a job. And uh, I actually was a babysitter for a while and a receptionist for a while. And um, at, at one point, I really thought like, wow, I should be getting this job that um, should be $70,000. $70, I mean, obviously, everyone else on the internet talks about how they get great jobs after college. So I walked into um, a temp agency and I gave them my resume and the, the woman basically said, no, 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 you qualify for this $15 an hour job. And that's, that's all we can give you. What? And I, I literally started crying in the office. The poor <laughs> lady, I think, <laughs> the poor lady was like, um, you can, you can start this job and maybe work your way up. You're really sweet. Um, but, you know, that was kind of like a serious low point for me. I had accumulated a ton of things. Like I had, you know, a really nice car. I was living in a really nice apartment. I think at the time I didn't understand that all of my money shouldn't go towards bills. Like that that part didn't really click to me. Um, and I realized like I'm just spending everything. And I was started freelancing. I'm working three jobs. I'm super burned out. And I was not even living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and that's when I stumbled onto so money. <laughs> and uh, I started and it was in the way beginning. I think you may have been doing daily mm -hmm. podcasts at the time because it was literally all I did every morning. I was listening to so money and I I was working harder and harder and I think I was listening to maybe Mr. Money Mustache or someone just talking about money in a different way that it clicked to me, oh my gosh, you don't need more money. What if you had less bills? Mm. Um, and at that point, I started getting rid of everything. I, I sold all of my stuff. I got rid of my car. I moved out of my apartment in with my mom. Um, I went back to school got a master's, and then I was able to land a job making three times what I was making before, honestly, more than three times what I was making before. Um, and from there, uh, that's, that's been the past two years. Um, I've paid off $20,000 in student loan debt uh, in the past 18 or 19 months. Um, and you sound and happy, also, by the way. Moving in with your mother is not – Yeah, like getting rid of your car and moving in with your mom on paper sounds maybe like, oh, that's a downer. But you sound like you're really – I mean, and I've also seen you in person. You're like a really cheery, positive person. It sounds like you've really <laughs> kind of like found yourself in these last two years. No, yeah. I mean, the, the entire journey really changes you, right? Like I, I really thought I was just this failure that didn't understand the real world when – in reality, I just needed to learn. I needed to learn to think differently and change my mindset and 
along the way, I kind of learned that I could really do anything. I just, I had to really figure out what, what I wanted. And I didn't know that at the time. And that's fair. I mean, a lot of uh, young people, especially right out of college, and I would even say like graduating from grad school, you leave with all these ideals like, oh, you know, the world is like going to just embrace me and I am so educated and enlightened and I have this degree and I'm, but it's at the end of the day, you got to put the work in again. Like it's just the beginning and it really is important to figure out what your priorities are get your checklist together for the real world because uh, the real world's going to suck you up and throw you out if you don't have intentional plans. You know what I mean? Like if you're just like, I'm just hanging out, bought a car, <laughs> things are okay. I think uh, you did it You did it wisely. You know, moving in with your mom was probably a hard decision, but it wasn't maybe how you envisioned, you know, living it up in your 20s, but look at you now. And tell us about Thrive Lounge, thriveloungedc.com. Yeah, so I started Thrive Lounge in I think 2014. It was when I was I was super depressed just about life in general. Um, you know, I didn't have any money. I, I honestly couldn't afford to to eat day on a daily basis. Like most of the time, I was just eating. Like as a receptionist, they had these little pretzels in the office, and I would literally live on those pretzels. And so I was just inc- I was incredibly depressed. And a friend of mine came to me and she said, "Listen, your life kind of sucks." Um, you, you know, maybe you could benefit from doing a vision board. And I don't know where she got the idea from. I honestly, at the time, thought it was total crap. And um, then I actually tried it. And I lied to you not from that first year of creating just a vision board and getting together with other people who were thinking about their passions and thinking about what they wanted to do with their lives, just that whole process of deciding what you want choosing it, creating a visualization, talking about it with other people, um, and really hanging out with friends while you do it. I mean, the whole process really got me to thinking, what do I want? And that was the first time I ever thought that. I always thought, you know, what do I need to do for my next step? What do I need to do to get out of school? What do I need to do to make my parents happy? Um, and that was the first moment I asked, like, what do I want? Um, I love that you focus. So, I love that you're focusing solely on vision boards. Although, I mean, it really represents so much more. But like, you're really zeroing in on the vision board, which a lot of people can get behind. That I mean, who doesn't want to like? It's fun, first of all, to create that. It, it it's also it's visual. As humans, we that's the one th- we visualize more than like anything else all day. We use our eyes as it's like our yeah. primary sense, and. And so you have also now founded the only vision board conference, Vision yeah. Con. Uh, you're really taking this like there's gonna like vision board <laughs> products at Target. You know, there's like so many places you could take this. Oh yeah, it's it's nuts. And so from the first year, it's just been a, really it was crazy because it's it's the community that keeps me going because there's so many people in that space where I was where I just was doing everything to please everyone and never to decide what I wanted for myself. And, and I found more and more people like that. And so I really just built this whole community kind of like a a vision tribe that just kind of talks about, these are what our goals are. This is what we want. And that's what kind of keeps me going and creating more types of events and products around it. And yeah, going into just deciding what you want and setting the goal and going for it. What is one 
recurring vision that you are seeing on many of these women's and a lot of these, your audience and your community is millennial women. What's on their vision board? <laughs> so I have, I have a few that I've seen a lot. I mean, a lot of people are really looking for different things with their fitness but it always looks different in how people approach it. Um, so some people are like, yeah, I really want to, you know, run more. Um, some people want to swim more. Um, for me, it's been a huge flexibility piece because I really just don't enjoy, <laughs> I don't enjoy working out. So um, it's like, hey, can I do more more yoga or something that can get me into mindfulness um, type of space? Um, so I've been seeing a lot of fitness, but also a lot of kind of, owning who you are. And I think there's been a huge girl power type of movement where people are really trying to kind of lock arms and pull each other forward, pull each other up. Um, And so I've seen a lot of that, you know, uh, women in leadership, women in business, women really taking a stand and speaking up for themselves, asking for more, knowing your worth. All of those things are kind of things that I've been seeing a lot more over the past couple of years. Well, really glad to have you stop by So Money and Ask Farnoosh and Chantal. Uh, this episode has a lot of questions that are, you know, somewhat technical in nature, but I think have some underlying mindset uh situations going on, you know. So the first one is from Aurora. It's actually a voicemail. Love that she used SpeakPipe on the So Money Podcast website. And she is at kind of a sort of a crossroads in her career. Here we go. Here's Aurora. Hi, Farnoosh. I have a career conundrum. I've been poached by a company who wants to hire me for a senior role and is promising me 15K more than what I make now, though no official offer has been sent to me. It would be a worse commute, and I don't really love the work environment from what I've seen. I did go in for an interview and met a bunch of people, and overall, I don't feel super thrilled. On the other hand, I'm waiting to get promoted at my current role and have been told six months, which will come with a raise in the same title this other company is offering. Is it worth leaving my current role where I have lots of leverage, flexibility, and love my team for senior title and 15K more instead of just waiting? All right, Chantal. So here's Aurora. She doesn't officially have this job offer, although they've verbally agreed to giving her $15,000 more than what she's currently making. I mean, from the sound of her voice, it doesn't sound like this other job that she's being poached uh, to do is is really uh, lighting a fire, <laughs> you know, or like, what's the word? Um, It's not sparking joy in her. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's more money and it'd be more money faster than what I'm currently promised at my current job. I mean, I, I do think there's a way to still leverage this, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say something and then, and then if you want to chime in, or, uh, Chantal, feel free, but I just feel like Aurora could firstly get something in writing from this company, like get, get a, an email or a letter that's like, we love you. We want to offer you this. This is what we're proposing. And then you take that to your senior leadership and you're like, Hey, I got poached. I didn't even pursue this. And, you know, I, I, I asked a few questions and here's what they're offering me. I don't really want to take this job, but I just want to, uh, you, you know, kind of, uh, use this to segue into maybe revisiting my promotion timeline. So is there any way that we could uh, speed it up? Like, what do I have to do to get there faster? You know, and, and that's important. Like, it's not about your company. Ask not what your company can do for you, but what you can do for your company. How can you get to that $15,000 raise sooner than later? And now I think that you have this other company poaching you. It's good leverage. It's not to say that you want to go there necessarily, but it's kind of like, it's good context for the company to have, don't you think? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and in addition to that, um, one of my best friends just went into her company knowing, you know, not even with another offer, but that she's been making a huge impact and it's time for a raise. <laughs> and um, good for her. So, yeah, what one of the cool things that she did I've never really seen done before is she put together an entire slide deck saying like, here's what I've done. You know, this is my job requirements. Here's what I've actually been doing. Here's the impact that I've made for the company. And those are some like really hard hitting numbers. Like this is how much time your people are saving. This is how much money I've saved the company. Oh my God. Um, oh yeah. And then Did went she, in she got with it, that right? slide <laughs> Crazy thing. She got another offer. She totally got another offer that blew out of the water, whatever her company would have done. <laughs> so she ended up leaving anyway, but they were totally impressed and happy to give her the number that she wanted. Um, but, you know, when someone deck. does come in with that, that type of like, um, you know, just that Commitment. type of focus on their career. Yeah. It's never a surprise when their people, other people are happy to poach them for the number they want. It reminds me when uh, I was applying for my first job, well, my first kind of serious job at New York One News as a producer, I put together a PowerPoint presentation. Not going to lie for my first interview. And to this day, the person who hired me was like, that PowerPoint deck was ace. (laughs) (laughs) No one else is going to do that, by the way, right? So like, that's definitely a way to stick out and be remembered. Oh, yeah. People remember that for sure. And, you know, I just want to add, I love the piece that you said about getting it in writing. Oh, my gosh. It's such a huge deal to get it, get it in writing because, you know, verbal offers are great. But writing is better. <laughs> of course. Otherwise, how, how do they even know you're telling the truth? I mean, exactly. It's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it just makes it goes from being a, a maybe to a, a fact. Um, so, Aurora, mm-hmm. I think that money's not everything. I don't feel like you should jump ship just because of this $15,000 offer. You may be unhappy there. And, and you know, $15,000 after taxes is not going to leave you with a, that much. It's not really going to, make up for the fact that you may not be happy there. But certainly, I think that if you feel comfortable to bring this up to your superiors and say, look, I got this job offer. I'm not going to take it, but I just want to you know, revisit my promotion timeline if there's any way to kind of speed things up. Because I think I, you know, uh, I would love to start working harder for you guys sooner than later. See how I framed that? It's really about them, not about you. the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. I think this next voicemail, Chantal, is from 
I, I don't want to mispronounce her name. It's either Rachel or Rachel. It's R-A-C-H-A-L is how she typed her name in. So she has a question about whether to pay down debt or just kind of pay minimums. Um, so here's her question. Hi, Farnoosh. I'm wondering if it's better to pay down a car loan or pay the minimum and manage my debt. I just bought a car that was about $14,700 and I put $4,700 down. I took a $10,000 loan out with 6.29% APR and it's a 36-month loan term. I'm trying to kind of come up with my money spending plan and just graduated college. I'm making close to $70,000 a year and I'm just wondering... Is it better for me to kind of manage that debt and help it to build credit or pay it down so that I have more money that I can spend on fun things or entertainment? I did some math for, I want to call her Rachel. And I I found that if Chantal, if she just kind of sticks to the monthly payments on this car loan, which she said is about a $10,000 loan, 6.29% APR, 36-month term. In the end, if she just kind of stays the course and finishes in 36 months, she'll have paid something like, you know, $300 in interest or $360, something like that in interest, uh, which is, you know, that's really the number that you have to consider. Like if you were to pay off all of this debt today, that's what you're saving. But what are you giving up? You're giving up $10,000 in your savings account to not pay, you know, this $300 in interest. And so I'll just say, you know, my opinion on this is that you should just pay the payments and not go overboard. Don't pay it down aggressively. It's just 36 months. If we were talking about credit card debt, which is revolving debt, there's no term on it. And then the minimum payments could keep you in debt for like decades. I would say, yeah, pay it down aggressively and knock it down as quickly as possible. But this car loan, it sort of has a, it already has a a determined finish. It's going to be over in 36 months. In the end, you'll have paid over $300 in interest for the convenience of being able to pay it over time. And in the meantime, I hope that you take advantage of that to be able to invest in like your 401k and to save up for a rainy day and and all the other things that really are important for a financial foundation. And I am actually in the same boat. I have a car loan that I'm not purposely paying off because I know it'll be gone in three years and I'd rather be liquid in my bank account than have to take all that money out and pay it off for the savings of, you know, a few hundred dollars in interest. Um, What do you think? Any other advice for Rachel? Yeah. um, So for me, I think it really depends on, um, you know, kind of what you have coming in monthly and what you're really, what kind of makes you happy. Mm -hmm. So I totally come from just a happiness perspective. Like I am uh, right now paying off my student loan debt incredibly aggressively, Um, even though the money could go to other places. Like some people just aren't really comfortable with having debt or um, some, so, you know, sometimes it just makes you unhappy. And if that's the kind of feeling that you're getting, I would say totally pay off the debt. Um, if, if that's, you know, more of a, just a personal choice, but yeah, definitely you're not going to pay a ton of interest. So it, it would really be like, if this debt is happens to be making you unhappy for some reason, pay it, pay it off. And, and if it gives you some satisfaction of saying I'm debt free, totally pay it off because it's going to give me a huge amount of satisfaction when I'm able to say it. So I know we'll be in the same boat at that point. Um, but yeah, it, it has a fixed end date. It's definitely not a ton that you're paying off and 
you can really use that money. It can work harder for you in other places. Um, so I would say totally pay it off if it's not a bother, but if it is a bother, but if it's not, no, I totally agree. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of this is emotional, but I would just say that go back to those numbers because sometimes we get emotional over nothing. You know, we're like, oh, but like debt is a four letter word. And I think, you know, we, we would ideally like to all be debt free of all kinds of debt, credit card debt, school, you know, student loans, car debt, mortgage. But there are some debts that are better than others, worse than others. And in the grand scheme of debt, I don't think this is like, Terrible. And in fact, you know, I think that, um, it, if, if it is, if she, if she is kind of at the point where she's like, I either pay off this debt in full today, um, or I don't. And then I have the ability to put my money to other uses. I, I would, I would say option B is better because I just want her to be able to have more of a holistic approach to her finances. Like, you know, there is such a thing. There's such a healthy thing as like managing your debt, you know, um, there is an end date to this. And I just, you know, want you to, I want you to feel good about whatever decision you make, but don't let your emotions sort of like blind the the practicality of, of the situation. Totally agree. Uh, but I totally hear what you're saying, Chantal. I mean, I think I hear often from people who are like, should I pay off my mortgage because it's really keeping me up at night or my student loans? And I think like, yeah, in every case, it's going to be a very personal decision. And certainly if you're, emotionally overwhelmed there that you have to address that, but certainly also crunch the numbers and actually see what the situation is. Uh, Matt has a question and this is just a, he wrote in to so many podcast.com. He says he's going to be working during his master's as MBA program. And it's a three-year program. It's going to cost him about $120,000. So clearly he's going to be, uh, paying for that somehow. I don't know if it's going to come mostly through his salary or loans or a combination. He didn't say. Um, he says, do I max out my Roth IRA, which my company matches 25% of every dollar, or should I pay off my loan um, at 7% interest? And I don't know if that's his student loan that he's talking about here or like just a loan that he has for 7% interest. I mean, Look, I, I know this. If a company is offering you a match of 25% of every dollar you put into a 401k or in this case, a Roth IRA, I, I would do as much as I can to earn the match. That's free money. So at the minimum, do that, Matt. Um, and then if there's money left over, put it towards the principal of that loan. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, get that free money. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Get, go with the free money. I, I wonder how it works, though, because so with a Roth, that's like after tax, right? So I, like, I would I would just wonder like what what you would have to end up paying on the other side of this 25 percent, because I, do, I don't know those numbers. But I don't know either. You may want to look into that. Yeah, you may want to look into that. But at the end of the day, free money. Yep. And, you know, Roth, the, the maximum you can contribute is, I think, $6,500 Um or rather, fifty five hundred dollars, um, sixty five hundred if you're age fifty and older. So, uh, Matt, good luck with your MBA program, and, and I have a lot of respect that you're doing this while working. I know that's not going to be easy, but sometimes it's the best way if you don't want to leave with too much debt. Jackie, oh my God, Jackie's question. I had to actually 
ask my husband for his take too because he's he's a f- super fan of Legos and he and t- my son Evan have this like Lego bond. So Jackie wants to know how should I deal with a nine year old who wants to buy a wait for it three hundred and seventy dollar Lego set. Jackie says that her son already has $200 saved and that he's going to try to earn the rest. So should she allow this to happen and maybe give him a lesson in saving money up, you know, saving up for something you really want? Or is it just too much money? Is $370 for a Lego set just ridiculous? I'm kind of not sure how to answer this. My, here's, here's what Tim said from the, speaking from the Lego aficionado. He says that, listen, if he saved up his money for this and it's really what he wants, then yeah, I think that it's fair for him to go buy this. However, he said, do before you buy the Lego set, like show him what else he can get for $370 just so he has some context, right? Because a nine-year-old doesn't really know what $370 amounts to really in the real world. Like what else could he get? Could they donate that money to charity water and suddenly, you know, all these people have uh, clean, fresh water running through their towns? Um, could he give that to... You know, so charity's one thing. And then could he use that to like get tennis lessons or sports camp or something like that? So I think you got to just kind of expand his mind as far as how far this $370 could go, because it necessarily will mean that he's not going to get these uh, to be able to do these other things. So I think you want to show that money, saving up your money is an, an incredible feat. And I'm so I'm so impressed that your son at nine years old was able to do this. But show him that, you know, your money has many uses. You can save it. You can donate it. You could invest it. Show him what like $370 in a, you know, market index fund could be in 20 years. I don't know what that would be, but you could find a calculator online to show it to him. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, ways you could handle this. So I don't want to say like, absolutely it's worth it or not, but I think this is, could could be a good approach. Just kind of like open his, expand his mindset. What do you think? Okay, so I have a ten-year-old daughter. Oh, really? Um, what? You're like so. How are you? I am so baby? young. I'm a single mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so imagine adding to all of the stuff I was going through. Like, add a kid to that. Um, oh my god, my so, mind is yeah. so blown right now. I have to sit down. <laughs> oh yeah, so I I have a ten-year-old. She um, currently has a YouTube channel. And uh, she earns a little bit of money from me to be able to buy things like for her YouTube channel or for she's a gamer. So for the games that she plays and things like that, she earns a little bit of money at a time. It's and it it scales based on, you know, her performance throughout the week. She can get anywhere from one to five dollars. And so. I, I would kind of, I would, he, you said he has $200 already. I wonder like, is it $200 that he did that was kind of like a kitty windfall or is it $200 that he's worked super hard for over a long amount of time? Um, because the way that they treat that money will be different depending on how, how they get the money. Is it like a birthday where everyone just throws money at him? And so he has money. Um, or did he really, really work hard for it? Um, and, $370 for a Lego, if you've worked really hard for it and you know it took you months to save that money and that's really where he wants to put the money and also he's thought about it for several months, mm. then I would say totally go for it. I mean, even as an adult, like if I thought about something for two weeks, I really wanted it. <laughs> you 
know, normally you go into a store like, wow, that shirt's cute. And then like you go home and you never think about that shirt again. Um, right. But if he's thought about it for months, he's saved up for like several months in tiny increments at a time. Like, why not? You know, so I think the takeaway here is it's it's well deserved if he saved up for it himself. He really spent time thinking about wanting this and why he wants it. And that also he has been given the opportunity to like see how this money could be exercised elsewhere. I think that's really important to give him that context and to kind of show him all the other options so that he can make a really thoughtful decision. Because also what you're not really hoping that you'll teach him is like, once you have all this money saved, go out and make an impulse purchase, you know, um, definitely or, or like a quote unquote frivolous purchase that doesn't seem frivolous at the time, but then you buy it and you have buyer's remorse. So, uh, uh, you know, I just love this question. I feel like this question is going to go viral. I'm going to tweet this <laughs> to tease this episode for sure because I think it's going to a lot of people are going to weigh in. And I had no idea you had a ten year old daughter. What's her YouTube channel? Um, do you want to share it with us, or would you rather keep it? Private? Yeah, yeah. It's called Kana Roblox, and she has I think 120 subscribers now. And she's been kind of growing it over the past couple of months. She works super hard on it. Um, she's making music videos now. It's super impressive because I wasn't doing any of those things. No, at her age, but we yeah, also didn't have apparently- YouTube. We also, oh, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> we didn't have YouTube or YouTube stars to be inspired by them. Um, okay, Cecilia wants to know, this is our last question. Uh, she wants to know, advice to young people about the we- best way to start investing in the stock market. Well, I, we, we don't talk about investing a whole lot on So Money. It does come up, and certainly we've had guests on who are investing experts like Jim Cramer, and we had Danielle Town on recently, who's the author of Invested, and... Uh, Coming up on So Money in a couple of weeks, we've got uh, – actually, next week, we have Liz Ann Saunders on August 2nd, who's the chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. And she'll talk about how to get started as a young investor. But I think it's no secret if you've been listening to this show that, in general, our, our recommended approach is to just start. First of all, just start. If you think you can't afford investing – you know, you, you can start investing with as little as like five, ten dollars a day. If your company has something like a 401k, which we talked about earlier in this episode, or 403b or some kind of employer sponsored retirement account, that could be a really wise place to start because it allows you to automatically contribute from your paycheck. Um, a lot of times your company might you know, match your contributions. So you're getting some free contributions that way. But, you know, the approach should be such that you you just start, you start small, you diversify, and that you want to look into different kinds of investment vehicles like index funds and exchange traded funds that uh, kind of get your money spread through across like a bunch of different assets and really wide, broad range of assets and at a low fee. So index funds are very popular because they just kind of track an index. And the most popular one is like the US stock market. So that's the benchmark and it just kind of tracks that. And if you put, you know, historical charts show that if you just throw your money into an index fund 25, 30 years, you will be very happy with the with the gains. Um, so that is something that is pretty passive in the sense that there's not someone going in and managing your stocks for you and buying and selling daily. It's a passive way to get kind of ride the market. And as a result, the fee that you pay to be in something like an index fund 
is a lot lower than, say, like an emerging market mutual fund, which is something that will require a lot of like managing someone who's actually going in there and moving um, assets around. So Cecilia, if you have access to a 401k, start there. And then if not, or you're not really excited about that, there's always an individual retirement account, like an IRA, traditional IRA, Roth IRA. We talked about this on the show too. You know what? Go to somoneypodcast.com and in the search menu, click, type in investing or retirement or 401k. And there'll be a lot of podcasts that will populate from those search terms. And if you have more questions, go over to Instagram and um, I'll try to help you on the go. So how are you investing for retirement now, Chantel, as an entrepreneur? Um, well, so I have a full-time job. I do Thrive Lounge kind of as my side hustle. <laughs> um, but so I do funny. have a full-time You're, job. Why are you laughing? You're, it's not like a nervous laugh. Like I have a side hustle. <laughs> no, it's kind of like, I feel like, <laughs> I I feel like once you look at like, how do you have a full-time, people ask me this all the time, how do you have a full-time job and a side hustle and like a whole kid? A whole and kid. <laughs> where, yeah. where do you, and a single, like your single mom, like where do you find the time for all these things? So I do always laugh when I'm like, yes, I'm going to add yet another layer to this story. Um, but yeah, I have a full-time job. So, and, and oh my gosh, I, I love my job. It is just so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. So that, um, I have a 401k, which I, I think I'm putting, I don't know, maybe 15% of every paycheck in there now. Um, and then I have a, uh, Roth IRA and I'm maxing that out. And, um, I also have a little bit of money accumulating in a few of the robo advisors. Um, they have some in Betterment and Acorns. Whoa. You're very advanced. That's really, really good. You have a lot of diversity. You're diversifying across a lot of different um, retirement vehicles. It's awesome. Really, really good. Yeah, I honestly, You're just full I don't of surprises. know anything about investing. <laughs> You're just full of good surprises. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so glad that we got to connect in person and now, you know, on the show. Uh, everybody go to thriveloungedc.com. It's a phenomenal community. Join and get the five-day vision challenge. Maybe you can meet Chantal at one of their conferences. But I uh, really want to thank you for coming up to me and introducing yourself and giving our listeners so much help. And good luck to your daughter, too. Hope she she hope that her YouTube channel makes it rain. Me, too. We can pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <gasps> totally. Okay. Thank you so much, Chantal. Everybody, thank you for listening. And I hope your weekend is so money. Money.